we're live. Okay. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to In Conversations with Chana. I am Chana Weisberg. I'm editor of thejewishwoman.org. And I have these interviews where I conduct with different people, amazing people, inspirational people. And in today's In Conversation, we have a, an amazing guest, amazing two guests for you. Let us know where you are coming from. Let us know where you are listening from. Um, say hello to us, and we will begin. So this is, again, In Conversations with Chana. I'm Chana Weisberg, editor of thejewishwoman.org. This is In Conversation with an amazing couple. I'm here joined today with Rabbi Ariel and Chana Margolis. Did I pronounce that right? Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Okay. So today's conversation is going to be talking about anxiety and depression and overcoming it. And really not only overcoming it, but learning how to thrive through anxiety and depression, thrive in terms of our relationships with others, thrives in terms of our marriages, and thrive in terms of our relationship with ourselves and really with God. Does that sum it up, Hannah and Ariel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um about a month into marriage, Rabbi Ariel Margolin was suffering from depression and anxiety. Today, he and his wife, Hannah, who are joining me today, have a beautiful and strong relationship. And they want to talk to us today about how to do this, how to overcome anxiety and depression, how to have this relationship through it, how to support one another through it, which is such a crucial topic um, for everybody and especially in today's times when so many of us are having at some level or another some issues with anxiety and with depression. So they've also written a book that is going to be coming out soon, which is called Thank You for Being You, which I'm really excited to be reading um, about their journey, about their journey and healing and about what they've learned and discovered along the way. Now, some of you might be familiar with Hana who is a writer on our site and who has also published another book, Splashing in the Puddles, right? Is that, is that it? Yes. Jumping in the Puddles. <laughs> Playing in the Puddles? Jumping okay. in the Puddles. Okay. So <laughs> they've written, um, you know, Shana writes extensively. She's an amazing writer. And uh, she writes a lot about her journey in life and her journey, her own journey, and now her journey together with her husband. So welcome, welcome, both of you. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Welcome, Hannah. Welcome, Ariel. Um, let's start with, with Rabbi Ariel. Tell us a little about yourself, about your background, and about where you are today. I grew up in a traditional family outside of Chicago in the suburbs. And Can I just ask you to talk a drop louder? Because you're I, so soft-spoken, yeah. it's hard, a little hard to hear. Strong. Um, Strong Jewish identity involvement. We had a sukkah growing up. We had we'd always have Shabbos guests, big seder. Um, so involved, and you know, I was involved and to some level, and and um, and it really spoke to me. And I was and I was always uh, you know searching, always searching you know for something deeper um, and looking you know what's you know what's really so what's really you know what we're doing what's this world really about what are we really you know here for and, and so on and, and what, what's the point um she's always searching um eventually started to get a, 
strongly involved in, in Torah and mitzvahs and really found, you know, deep purpose, growth, transformation in it, and eventually made my way to Tzfat, to Yeshiva, and settled here. And I've been here Tzfat, Israel, right? Yeah, it's Tzfat in, in the north of the hills of the north of Israel. And really came here, found what I really found what I was looking for and said, okay, this is where I'm going to be. Um, and we met, got married, and then really then began a new a new stage of this journey. Wonderful. Hannah, where, where did you come from? Just to remind everyone where you're, you're from. I grew up on an organic farm just outside of Toronto. Um, and a similar journey of searching for meaning and purpose and truth. And yeah, thank God we met here in the holy city of Svat. Wow. Okay, amazing. Okay, Ruby Ariel, when, when did you start feeling anxiety, depression? What was your experience with that? Um, it's something that goes back very far. I always sort of question, I guess, would be when did I didn't. I always had it to something. <laughs> right. Um, on, on some level, more or less. And, and it came and it went, and I found different natural remedies got very into you know natural is you know things in nature and, and a lot of hiking and you know herbs and different natural supplements and different things different practices and things that could really you know make it up with that and that was you know helpful to some extent and and eventually you know and then starting to come more involved in tar and mitzvahs that really like brought an integration and a a coalescing my that I started to feel much more of an integration and a oneness in in both my life and realizing there's there's underlying you know oneness of, of all existence mm -hmm. in Hashem's you know this is Hashem's world we're all we're all guests here you know we're, we're here in Hashem's world and yeah. and so what I noticed is the more that I started to and it would come and go and and sometimes it would be manageable sometimes it would just be like crazy intense and. I noticed is the more that I started to get involved, um, the more it, it was able to be calmed down, realizing, you know, there's, there's, I'm here for a purpose where I'm here, you know, this is the more that you were involved with what, with, with Torah and, oh. yeah, with Torah coming to Yeshiva and really internalizing the concept that, you know, we're not just here in a world that got here randomly and therefore mm -hmm. it's just random chance and who knows where it's going and who knows what's going to be in the future. It's just like, that can be very, you know, that can be a very depressing thought. But to really, to really understand that this world, we're, we're, it's not just that Hashem creates the created the world. Okay, and there's Hashem is here, Hashem's there, but, but Hashem's with us every step of the way, and is with us even in the you know is, is with us in the good moments and is with us in the difficult, in the challenges, um, yeah. especially. And that. So, so getting married. I mean, after you became after you got married, I guess that was a huge change for both of you. Hannah, when when did you notice? your husband was suffering from anxiety or depression so this really began about i'd say a month into marriage maybe three weeks something like that and at first i thought you know this was something that was at bay something that ariel had overcome really um and worked through and, and yeshiva had opened this new light and so at first i was like what is so toxic about me <laughs> that one month of this marriage brought this up and one of our, our somatic experiencing therapists that we were would eventually be led um, guided to work with actually told me the most amazing news in the world, which is that it was a compliment to the safety that was found in our marriage. The, because the body only releases trauma when it's ready to be processed in a good case. Mm -hmm. And so 
the fact that this was coming up, the memories, the thoughts, the the crippling anxiety was coming up. It was actually because there was you now this very safe haven called a home and a marriage and a deep relationship. And so the fact that it had come up so early in our marriage um, actually became kind of not like kind of like a compliment. It's like wow, like a testament to this bine adeyad that Hashem has really blessed us with this marriage, and this isn't a curse. This isn't a punishment. This is part of the blessing of what this marriage can hold is creating this healing journey for, for both of us. And it took me a while for both of us. That's, that's so fascinating. It's kind of like, I, I mean, when a child throws a tantrum, you know, they love, like they'll only throw a tantrum when they're home with their parents or with people that they love, you know, mm -hmm. they won't do that in a school setting because they know that they're not comfortable or they're not as comfortable. So that, that's, that's really fascinating. So Ariel, what, what did, like, what did you do when you saw that you were suffering from this? What, what, what was the path, the steps to healing that you took? The first part was to look for what resources, what understandings that I have that could, that I could draw on, what understandings that I have that I was able to, to sort of rely on, um, and then, and, and for example, one one concept that's that's, that's really is very powerful for me in Chassidus. It describes that that God has a that Hashem wants that there should be good in the world, and therefore, good is something. It's like we have an internal will, we have a superficial will. It's like I want to. I go to it. Let's say a person has a job, but they don't really like. But they do it anyway. So they don't really want the job, but they want the money that the job will provide. And they don't really want the money. They want what the money, you know, the home and the food and everything, you know, everything that that provides. Um, so Hashem wants that there is a world of goodness. But in order for there that to be that, 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 we're, that we can be real people, you know, and not just be angels or robots, but that we can be real people is, is to have free choice, which means there has to be darkness. And he doesn't really want the darkness. He doesn't want the negativity and, all, and, and the evil and all that. But he sets it up such a way so that that is there for us to have free choice. And so its existence isn't a real, a true existence. Its existence is like a flimsy existence at best. It's sort of this like projection that's there in order just to give us free choice. So realizing that and realizing that basically every, you know, these, these what I first fell back on was what I had learned in yeshiva and really now having das in it, having integration and the not just the intellectual understanding, but the emotional understanding of it. Um, so are, that, are you saying, sorry to interrupt, are you saying that anxiety or depression isn't real or that, what it I'm is? that it's the, it's a, there's two aspects of it. There's the pain and there's the story. Mm -hmm. Pain is real, but the fear is, is an illusion. The fear is, a is something that's, that's hijacked my mind. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the, so it's we and, and and so much of this work we have to look at. There's two perspectives, right? There's two sort of realities, dimensions going on happening here that are parallel. One is the the mind. One is the soul, and sort of what I know. And I say, okay, I'm safe right now, right? I'm in, you know, I'm right now in the moment that I'm here, and I'm not where I was in the past when I was, you know, whatever was happening, right? And then there's the there's the emotion, and there's the feeling, and there's the pain, and or there's this, and that's real. That's very and and to validate that, but not to get sucked into the story that I'm that's being created out of that. Wow. Um, and so then, starting I think that to, works in so many areas, like any area of 
you know, of anxiety, like you're talking about, you know, there's so much, there's the, 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 the issue. And then there's everything that like the, what you're calling the story, everything that we relate to the story, the fears and the, how we blow it up into something so much bigger than what it actually is, rather than actually confront the issue at hand. Is that what you mean? Yeah. And, and that the issue that's coming up isn't really the issue. The, that's just a, a symptom of the feeling that I'm, it's like, oh, I'm anxious about this. I'm anxious about this. I'm like, okay. I'm feeling anxious. Oh, let me go even deeper. Oh, wow. I'm feeling, you know, my breath is, has gotten shorter. My heartbeat is, you know, going way you know higher, I, you know, I'm feeling tension and I'm, I'm just like, okay, that's what's, and, and when I come to notice that this was really the, the, the turning point was coming to this, this understanding. But before that, so it was confusing. And, and um, one thing that really helped early on was listening to a lot of YY Jacobson and understanding that, that this coming to this understanding that the darkness is an invitation, that this is an invitation to go deeper. It's an invitation to go to an even deeper core essential place within my own being um, and therefore connect to others around me, to connect to Hashem in, in a much deeper, realer way. That's very uh, profound. The darkness is an invitation to go deeper. That's really something special. Wow. And so, Yeah. So you went and, deeper? So and, and so it was always this back and forth. There's this retzo shu, this is going back and forth between um, sort of this more enlightened, you know, aspect of myself, my godly soul, which is enlightened. And then this part of myself, the Nefesh Bahamas, which uh, Zalman Nelson likes to describe as the the inner child, right? That isn't that that's it's just seeing things in a in a different perspective. And so first, I had a certain resistance, you know, but but eventually saying, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look for you know, there's good things I'm doing, but I'm gonna really look at you know into therapy and, and finding you know a good therapist. And one of the first things he told me was, you're not broken you're not like horribly messed up the fact that you're feeling this the fact that you're confronting mm. this is actually it means you're you're dealing with it you're confronting mm. it because a person could go their whole life and they just kind of repress you know brush it under the rug and and they kind of just go along you know like it's not there but you're you're confronting it and you're dealing with it that's a, that's a, such an important lesson for all of us because so often we just you know throw it under the rug and we shove it away Whereas that really is the problem you're saying. The problem, you know, the part of the solution is when you confront it and you actually look right. at the problem. Interesting. And so either I do that or Hashem does that. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, I can't run anymore. Now I have to like actually, I have to, I have to do this. And then, and this understanding of basically there's two of, there's, there's inside really have two, there's two of me. And, and sometimes I'm, feeling enlightened and sometimes I'm feeling a lot of other things and that's okay. And, and knowing that because that's the purpose of, and knowing that really that connects to how this, this journey that, that a person goes on isn't, oh, uh, it's something, it's not like a derailment of the plan. It's not like, oh, I was living my life and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I have to like deal with my mental health. And mm. What am I like? Oh, I'm wasting my time. I could be doing so many other more worthwhile, worthwhile things. But that actually, this is the, the the purpose of creation. We know is that, you know, it's, it's described as a dear Bethonim that the Creator wants a world that is on the face values antithetical to the value of of oneness, to the value of, of unity. And yet, from my perspective, my ego, I come to transform that. I, I transform the, the one transforms the ego and transforms the emotional state 
and the sort of lower the nefesh vamis, the survival ego mind, ego part of ourselves into realizing what's going on here and what why we're here and what we're here for. And we're not just here for ourselves. We're here for a grander purpose and we're part of that. And so this is so this journey then is part of that. This journey is there. It's not just part of that. That's this is the purpose of creation. This is the purpose mm-hmm. of all existence that if, that we're not angels and we're not supposed to be angels. We weren't meant to be angels. We're, we're human beings and we're souls. And to, I find that so fascinating what you're saying. So you're saying that it's not like a derailment of the grand plan. This is the plan. This is the whole plan. And this is, you know, the, the height of not only the plan, but this is the height of plan because this is the height of making us more aware of godliness and that's really the whole plan and bringing in that godliness into this world that's, yeah. that's really fascinating that that you come to that realization wow so um you know are there are there th- i mean you, you you don't think that i mean this can can does is medication or therapy part of this like i don't want people to to hear this and think oh well if you just study hasidus or you just study Torah, you know, you'll be solved. You'll be completely, you, you won't have any problems. You won't have any challenges. You won't have any mental health issues. Is that what you're trying to say? Or is there more to it? There's more to it. Um, there's times when therapy is necessary. There's times when it's absolutely vital. There's times when it's life-saving. And and there's even a time for, for medication or time and place for it. You know, not that a person, you, you know, is... is, is you know, say on it forever, but but I actually had a very strong resistance to it at first, uh, and and a lot of it is is there's I had my own reasons, but there's also a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of you know there's there's confusion about it, shame and so on. That's really uh, mm-hmm. that's prevents that can prevent a person from getting the help that they need, or prevent a person from really uh, approaching you know. In a, the the issue in a wholesome way but the i i see it that it's it's all part of one system it's part of a whole there's you know and and from the ground up you know having you know a good routine having exercise having nutrition having all the things just the basic things a human being needs having you know relationships somebody people you can talk to you know whether it's a therapist whether it's a mentor a friend somebody you can talk to so you don't feel like oh my gosh i'm just i'm all alone in this you know, having having that kind of relationship, having, you know, whatever it is that you need and having the the teachings also that help to transform your perspective. It it works both ways. There's there's working from the inside out or the bottom up and working from the top down or outside in, so to speak. Interesting. So if a person is working from the top down and taking the medicine, how do you feel that this um these these ideas that you're you're talking about and the study of Hasidus and the, the deeper teachings and awareness that you've reached, how does that complement it? It complements it because there's the first thing is is having purpose. Mm-hmm. This is you know, Victor Frankel talks all about this that a person can can endure anything if he has if he has a reason to to, to see it through to the other end. And there's this story just I heard once about a, a director. He was like having terrible anxiety and he was, he couldn't sleep. He like would sweat. He was just sweating buckets and he would just have to like change his shirt and you know, his t-shirt and it would be soaking wet. And he went to a Chinese doctor or acupuncturist 
And the first thing the, the doctor said, the acupuncturist said was, if you can't tell me why you're here, if you can't tell me your purpose, there's nothing I can do for you. Mm-hmm. And I guess medicine cannot address purpose, no matter how much medicine you take. Right. Right? Right. So it's important. I mean, it, it can address, it can, it can calm down. I know people who, who it's absolutely saved their, their life. Right. Um, and it's something that's, you know, needs to be, you know, on a, you know, every individual, you know, and, and your, your own, absolutely. Your, sure. you, know, you know, with you, but the, it all, when I understand that I have an overarching purpose, I understand, you know, there's, I'm not just a person in this world and I'm going through my life and then this happens to me and I react this way, but I'm a soul and I'm sent here by the creator. I'm sent here by Hashem and I'm sent here on a purpose and all of that. And this soul is infinite and this soul is, it's unbreakable. It's, it's, it's pure. It's pristine, right? Mm-hmm. It can get covered over. It can get sort of like cloaked with, with whatever, with other things, but, but it, in, in its origin and in, in, in my core essence, I'm pure. This is what I really have to have to know, right? If I'm going through something that's 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 difficult, if I'm going through you know challenges in mental health, I need to realize that I'm experiencing this and it's real and it's and it's painful, but it's not the sum total of who I am. Mm-hmm. What I am at my core is is the soul. What I am at my core is is, is made in the image of Hashem, is Salam Aleichem, and I'm made in, in in this in this spiritual image that's untouchable. Now, okay, I still have to like then work with the ego. I still have to work through this, and this is where the what, this is the real turning point in my journey came when when I discovered when I was referred to by my first therapist to, to what's called somatic experiencing. It's a form of trauma therapy that basically works through the stuck adrenaline that's that's stored in the body, right? It's like if you an animal in the wild, it's running around. And the gazelle gets chased by a cheetah and it almost gets eaten and it narrowly escapes. And what it'll do afterwards, it'll shake. It'll just shake out all of the stress. Mm-hmm. To, it'll go back to its, you know, to eating grass. And so this was this was developed by someone named Peter Levine. And basically that what I do is and, and once I discovered, once I was sort of referred to this and, and started on this, I realized, okay, it's a... Uh, there's nothing like wrong with me. It's not like, oh my gosh, I'm broken. It's like, okay, I went, I, I had things happen and it was very stressful and it, and it sort of got locked in the, in this nervous system. And okay. So I have to learn. So now I'm going to learn how to, how to sort of release that and mm-hmm. do it in a way that's gentle, a way that's not like all at once, but in a way that slowly kind of, it's like when you have a soda bottle and it's shaken up, if you just open it, it's going to spray all over the place, make a big mess. So you right. kind of crack. And it starts this, and then you close it, and you do that back and forth, back and forth, until you can actually open it, and you don't have a mess all over the place. Wow, amazing! So, can you give us some, uh, like, a tip on when we become anxious or, or depressed, um, some kind of self-regulatory method that we could use, or that people could use, that you yeah. found helpful for yourself? So, the first part, right, is to know that my thoughts feed into my nervous system. And every time I have a stressful thought, that's like causes a physiological reaction of, of cortisol, adrenaline, and so on. So first just knowing, okay, I can separate separate the two. And it's however unpleasant it is, whatever I'm experiencing, it can't actually hurt me. It can't actually harm me. Even though I could feel like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna like die. But that's not actually gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So knowing that. And then basically there's, there's techniques. So, the, so one that I like is to count look around to count 10 blue things 
because this orients us in space and this support this brings me back into my prefrontal cortex this brings me back into my mind and allows me to sort of reorient myself be like wait where am i okay and and that involves so we should look around the room and count 15 blue things. Ten. <laughs> okay. Well, how regulated you are. If you're not dysregulated, then 15 and keep going. <laughs> Do not over-regulate either. So, yeah. But, it's, but there's, with the difference with depression and anxiety is basically the nervous system, it, there's a certain amount of, of, ener you know, of energy that we do need, right? If we were just like, obviously we're not, you know, if we're just, if we had no anxiety, we wouldn't do anything. So... We would just sit around, like we wouldn't be motivated to, to do things in the world. So, but there's a range that we can handle, right? And we kind of feel more relaxed and we feel more tense, right? But there's a manageable range where I can still kind of function as a person and go about my day. When it gets too hot, and, and this is called in, in the, is called the window of tolerance. You can look it up, but it's basically that there's a certain amount of tension, a certain amount of stress that's actually, that's okay. It's good. But the thing is, when I'm so used to stress, when it becomes my my default way of living, it's like I can't even imagine. It's like, what do you mean, like, relax? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so then I'm going either above, I'm going to the realm of anxiety, or I'm dipping down into depression. Often they're linked because I'm so, I get so stressed out, so tense, I, I use up all my energy in the anxiety, mm -hmm. and then I crash, and then I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. So it's like, so, yeah. that, so it's very connected. But basically, if I'm too anxious, so then I need to somehow relax. And, and another way to do that also is to simply take your, your hand and to bring it under your uh, your arm and, and just to hold it like this. And this mm -hmm. can help to, to kind of relax the system. Um, or even just like give yourself a hug kind of. Yeah. And you're, you're giving like a container. You're like, okay, I'm here. This is okay. Like, Interesting. You know, it's, it's very grounding. Um, there's many of them. And. And the point is, the more that that you do it, the more that you're you're working this process, the the more that it rewires the nervous system. We know that the, the brain, it, it, it talks about this in Tanya, is that and and talks and now science is coming to it that basically our our brain is is malleable. It's able to change. We're not stuck the way we are. Oh, this is how I am, and that's and that's it. That's just, I can't change. Right? Mm -hmm. This is which is that I can change, and not just I can change how I am, but I can actually make a new pattern. I can make a new default habit. Right? Which so is, I guess, a benefit of doing this therapy or thinking these new thoughts with and together in conjunction with therapy or with medicine, that you're, the medicine is working on the outside, but you're really working on the inside and changing yourself, transforming yeah. yourself. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, so... So first, something about the medication, I was first resistant to it. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it was just like, I was like, okay, fine. I won't be on this forever. And obviously I'm not just taking it to just take it for the rest of my life. I'm taking it so that I can do, and, and I'm not taking it to sort of mask the symptoms or just to kind of get by, which was why I was so resistant in the first place. But I was like, okay, I'm doing this so that I can go, delve into this therapy and, and delve into the work. And eventually at some point I'll stop taking it. I'm sure, you know, a year or two years, I don't know, whatever, six months, who knows. And so that's basically what happened. I took it for a year and a half, two years mm -hmm. there, a year and a half, give or take, plus or minus. And eventually it, I had gotten to the point where I didn't need it anymore. I was able to, to now uh, to do without it. And that itself was a little bit of a process. It was, but I, you know, and, uh, very gradual, obviously. But what the point was is that it was a, a tool 
that had a certain, you know, that had its, its usefulness to it. Hmm. Well, Hannah, what were you going through throughout this time? What was it like for you? So I'll be honest. Um, it was very challenging. It's challenging to work that you love suffer. Um, and it's challenging to have so many fears, right? I was 20 years old. I had all these fears racing through my mind. And we know that all control is fear-based. So the first instinct I went to was, let me control. If I can bubble wrap reality and make sure there's no triggers, we can have a normal week. Well, I bet you can wonder how that went. I was not the source of the panic attack because I was so stressed out. I was I could become the trigger so easily because I was so hyper vigilant. To we won't get to, we won't have another week of depression. We won't have another week of anxiety. And this control obviously took a toll on my own health and our relationship and just my relationship with the Shem because I really was not trusting this. This was a huge mistake that God had made and he needed to save my husband. And that was the only way this needed to end. And thank God, Carl <laughs> said, like you come to it or God teaches you, but like realizing that this is not just something that needs to be healed. This is a healing journey. Like you were saying so beautifully, maybe all emotional, like, Realizing that this isn't just, this happened so it can be over. That's not how life works. Like realizing with a real like integration of, oh, this is happening for a reason. My husband's experiencing depression, anxiety for a reason. So what is that reason? And even just that question of, so what's really happening here? Because if it's not what I thought it was, a huge mistake and just this cruel, unusual punishment, then, then what is happening here? And that curiosity of, well, if I'm just busy controlling God's relationship with Ariel and controlling God's business, which is how life works, then I'm, I'm not really home to me. And so first of all, just coming back into my realm of control, like, okay, I'm in control of my happiness. I have control. I leave the house today. I'm in control of my own self-regulation. And from that, I had a little bit of space to say, okay, well, this is Ariel's relationship with God and God knows what he's doing. And God doesn't challenge just anyone with this. So, oh, I'm married to a hero. Oh, that's a very different story. And then I'd go to work in the morning and I work in, a, I teach in a seminary, I teach Chassidus, thank God. She kept me sane too, having to really think about these ideas. And I would look at all these other male teachers there. And um, at first I'd be like, oh, why can't my husband just be getting out of the house and going to teach also? And why can't we play rabbi and Rebbitzin? Like, you know, and then suddenly I was going to work and be like, in my mind, that's nice. Everyone's teaching this. My husband's living this. He hasn't wow. left three days. Wow. He's in it. He's in all the deepest discourses without the text, okay? This experiential learning beyond. He's having an essence-to-essence essence experience with God. And when I, I got that, like, there's a different form of wealth that's being offered to me. It's not the wealth of how many Instagram followers I have. It's not the wealth of what the external world looks at me, look the way they look at me. It's this wealth of knowing what it means to not act from a trigger, and what it means to not push things under the rug, but, but feel them. And then I could really look at my husband and appreciate that, like you said, this isn't, this didn't derail him. This is a different track. It's much higher that I just didn't, didn't know existed. And that one thing I was being invited to really, to really value this and really see my husband as this warrior who was going deep into these minds that most people would never go to. Mm. And was built bringing me up gems and really appreciating the wisdom that was accessible to him. And really the big shift was, and that was 
not needing to be the expert on his life, but trusting that just as he's been given this darkness, he has the light that's there. And it doesn't mean it looks like light. It means it looks like a very deep inner essence knowing of it's okay to be in this darkness right now. I don't need to run from this. I can hold space for this darkness. And really trusting that he was choosing, really trusting that, that he's capable of doing this and not needing to micromanage his process or speed it up um, or, or mess with it in any way really, but actually to learn to respect it. Because if it's some horrible thing, I have to fix it and heal it. But if there's something beautiful happening here, and even though it's painful, it's beautiful. Um, then yeah, I it's, it's incredible that you're able to reframe it in such a beautiful way to see. I mean, I love what you just said that he's not, he's not just, you're learning the text and he's living it. He's really living the text on a, on a daily basis. He's living with that struggle in a real way. He's internalizing it and he's conquering it in, in the most beautiful way. Um, but you also mentioned that you you yourself have found your own happiness, like you were teaching, you were doing things that you enjoyed. So you were controlling that aspect of your life. You weren't just becoming, I guess, a victim of the situation. Yes. Thank you for acknowledging that. Keep being empowered. If someone told me that this whole thing was for me to live empowered, I'd believe them. I don't think it would be very fair to you. Um, but it's a big thank you. And that's why your book is called Thank You for Being You. It's thank you for being you. Thank you for teaching me how to access myself in a way that I wouldn't have and that I'm so grateful for. And that's really just taking my own advice, meaning I realize that my best advice to anyone else is my best advice to myself. So my advice to Ariel, you should leave the house. Guess what I'm going to do? You know, you should find something you're passionate about and go do it. Guess what I'm going to do? You should call an old friend and reconnect and, uh, you know, focus on someone else. Like all this advice that was borderline, I would even say abusive to share with someone in that place. I have no concept, no respect of where they're at. Just giving that to myself. Mm. So healing and realizing that as Ariel puts it, I had to be his home address. I had to keep myself in that stable, calm, regulated place. So that there's someone to come home to. And that the more I'm aware of my own experience and the more regulated I am, the more I can actually be of service. And that doesn't mean I became this perfectly regulated human being. Cause like you said, that's not what we're going for. It's as simple as saying, I'm feeling overwhelmed, but there's an I that's feeling that. So as soon as I witness it, I'm not it right now. I'm the godly soul watching the animal soul have a very human experience. And so it's really say, wow, I feel danger in every part of me. I feel terror. I feel scared. I feel sad, like being able to say it, but then being able to watch it and realize, oh, so the fact that I'm realizing watching that means it's not me. And so this came from really diving into my own, you know, I'd have therapy even, I still have therapy twice a week, different forms. I love it. Like I have really been encouraged and empowered to, to live my freest, happiest self because the other choice was to completely go into victim mode. Hmm. And thank God that I sent those, those life ropes. And, and yet you say you're holding space for him to be and to be what, to go through what he has to go through. How is that watching someone you love going through such difficulty, such pain? Hmm. Okay. So 
um, you know, at a slumber party, I might answer a little bit differently with a few more tears. But in our context right now, um, I like to put it like this. When you see someone you love running a marathon that you know that they literally have trained for, and this is like their purpose, this is their moment. And you see like the fact that their veins are bulging and it's painful and they want to stop. And like, you don't even have a choice even. They're just like, they've signed up for this thing and they're running this marathon. You don't pity them. You hand them water and you cheer them on and you pray for them and you feel so proud. And you're like, that's my person in the race. Like there's a sense of pride of like, wow, that's my person. And so that's what it feels. It's like Ariel, when I call it kind of like going under, okay. He went like into like the mine, like he's digging, he's going to bring me home sapphires. Okay. He went somewhere deep and he's might not be, you might not be accessible to me right now. I might not have the privilege of you making me gourmet dinner that week or helping me with normal things. Like you're, Ariel could be unavailable in that way, knowing he's running a marathon that his soul has been training for. This is the last incarnation before Mashiach. We are the souls that have to bring this ultimate freedom to the world. And so if his soul, this is his inner, this is the work he's being asked to do. I'm not going to judge that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get in the way of it. I'm not going to try to speed it up even because that would be, that would be shaming what it is. And so the holding the space is really valuing that inner work and valuing it, not as a means for it to be over, but valuing what it is, that essence to essence experience with God's essence and Ariel's essence in those moments that you could call a nightmare or mm. you could see them for what's actually happening. And so holding that space means keeping myself as that vessel, which means I believe that being the carest device, the mainstay of the home means keeping myself ridiculously happy. So all the self-care that, possible in every level of my being so that I can be this vessel to really look with this this clarity for what of what's actually happening and doesn't mean I don't have my own sensations to breathe through but I can feel what I'm feeling and see it through through a different through a different lens wow incredible okay I don't know if you guys are going to be able to answer this question <laughs> but you are both so young and so wise <laughs> I'm sure our, our viewers are, are, are saying like, how, how does that happen? I mean, you're both so young and yet there's such wisdom in everything that you're saying, both in terms of Ariel, what you're going through and how you're dealing with it and Hannah and how you're watching someone deal with that and how you completely reframe it in such beautiful ways. So what gives you both that ability? It's a hard one to answer. <laughs> Can you even answer? I say love. I think that the, the fact that there's love in this relationship gives us the strength to learn from each other. Wow. And it's it's not easy. The, the fact that the fact that you're so good to me and that I am your number one priority and that or whatever wherever I am on that list, I feel like number one priority. I think that gives me the empowerment to know that what I'm fighting for here is something very real and something worth fighting for. And the wisdom I've gained from this is from the wisdom of just staying. It's from the wisdom of being present. And there's no option other than to be in this relationship because it's so loving. Hmm. And I almost wanted this relationship to suck. Like I was almost like, okay, there's all this depression, all this anxiety. I'm 20. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do, how to handle any of this. But the fact that there was so much love there it, it opened me up to the wisdom of there's something more happening here because 
God's good and this is a good marriage and this is a good situation. And so feeling Hashem's love of like, no, this is exactly where you're supposed to be. And I'm going to put all these like treasures around you. And the love I've experienced from Ariel, of, no, this is such a good man. Like look beyond this depression, anxiety and see the wisdom that's there. So I think that kind of support, the support of that love is what's allowed me the space to actually see the wisdom that, that I'm being offered. Wow, beautiful. Ariel, you spoke a lot about anxiety, like when you're, how to deal with the anxiety, but you, you also mentioned that there are times when the anxiety makes you completely go under, and that's the depression. So what are the self-regulations, or what do you do with the depression? With the depression, it's, it's basically like a freeze. It's like this, when the nervous system goes into the, right, goes into fight, flight, or fight, flight, or freeze. And so to break the freeze, just any, I mean, on a very practical level, just like very small incremental movements. Like let's say I'm just somewhere and I'm sitting and I'm stuck just like doing something like wiggling my toes, you know, tapping my feet, something that can just like kind of start that movement and break that, that kind of crack that ice of that freeze. And then, okay, maybe, okay, maybe, you know, that's, you know, wiggle my toes, tap my feet, stand up, hmm. walk around a little bit, do, you know, some kind of, you know, movement. And, and that starts to kind of get things moving again. Um, but it doing so in a way that's not jarring. It's not like, okay, I'll go from like zero to 10 and just like, because that also could be too much. Because that's the that's why it happened in the first place. Because that's the mm -hmm. cycle. The cycle is of, of that is is the the anxiety, the over activation of the of the nervous system, and then and then you're going, you're going, you're going on adrenaline, and then and then you crash, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the depression again. So it's so also noticing that that cycle and and sort of being able to catch myself. But when I'm in the low, so then it's just the uh, starting to move a little bit, starting to move a little bit more, and and um, you know, with that also like spending time in nature, getting out, you know, walking around, being around, you know, in the, in the park or something like that, or it's, you know, a very calm environment, but it's, but you're, you're, you're moving from your, your, your state. Mm -hmm. um, and also the understanding a few ideas in Hasidus. One is that simcha, happiness, joy is a, it's not, something that happens to us it's a choice it's a it's, it's spiritual work um it's an active thing hmm. and the right to serve Hashem with joy and and that it's a choice really and it's not dependent on my life circumstances because knowing wait it's like okay i'm a soul i'm part of a shem i'm sent on this on a mission in this world and every good deed that i do every mitzvah i do is is of infinite value and, and having that inner dignity and that, that strength that comes from a place of, of the dignity of the soul and the infinite value of the soul and of, of a person that isn't based on accomplishment. It's not based on what I did today. Okay, if, if I, if I you know, if I learned a lot today, if I accomplished a lot today, so I'm super happy. And, and then the next day I didn't do as much. I'm not as happy. It's like, that's, that's a great ticket, you know, to, to a roller coaster, but, but mm -hmm. we don't want to look at it. So it's like... So that's the first part. And then the second part is also knowing, this is chapter 26 of Tanya, which is that the first lesson in serving Hashem, and there's certain, there's actually certain mishpim, some mishpim who start teaching Tanya with this chapter, because the first lesson basically in Avodah Hashem is, is to serve Hashem with joy. 
and to and that I can't have any trace of worry or anxiety or depression to, to have this this divine service. Now that means what is what's the what comes out from that is that if something, if a thought, a belief, a something's coming to me and it's gonna bring me down and it's depressing, then I know right away it's from my Yitzhar. It's it's not good. It's not a good thing. If, even if it sounds super holy, even if it comes dressed up, you know, in a in a you know in a black coat and a and a hat and it sounds super holy, it's not. It's a disguise from you know the other side and it's and knowing that it's there just to, to trip me up. And it's there to test me, which is you know to make me stronger. And so knowing that and, and there's certain times, okay, whatever, there's certain times to have introspection. But I actually saw an amazing this book that just came out recently this year of uh, translations of, of letters of the Rebbe, specifically on the topic of mental health. And he actually, a wild letter I saw, he writes to someone who, who's feeling very down and so on, that the Rebbe told this person, don't do cheshbon and nefesh. Don't do a accounting of sort of where you're at, where you're holding. Just simply serve Hashem with joy. And later, you know, you'll check in and you'll see where am I at, where am I holding, what's you know going on with me. But simply to just live, to serve Hashem with joy, with, with sincerity, and to just, you know, to move forward. And eventually, then when I'm in a good, you know, when I'm in a strong place, then I can start to examine, you know, okay, more of the introspective work. But first, to just have that solid foundation. And so if it's coming to me that's to make me down, then I know it's not it. And that was very powerful for me because um, because it's very important to understand Torah ideas in a in a way that's in, that's empowering in a way that that gives us that gives us joy and that gives us strength and and, and to understand it in the right way um, because we, these things sometimes can be misunderstood or we could insert we could translate it incorrectly and that can cause tremendous to, you know, like a, that, that can cause it cause me stress you know but what helped me with that a lot was listening to a certain rap, you know, a lot of listening to a lot of Y.Y. Jacobson, a lot of you know Chase Taub and so on, hmm. and and understanding that it's it's Taurus it's, it's it's not just oh okay I have my life and then sometimes I go and and I learn and I pray and I go to shul and I do holy things and then I go back to you know and I, and I cook dinner it's like I take out the trash it's like no, no this is this is life this is my life this this is life itself and so understanding the teachings to give just you know one example is is you know one is the example of what it talks about in tanya's scafia um which is translated as, as sort of subjugating or controlling the more you know base kind of ego driven uh desires and so on and so i could understand this in a way that's very uh intense like very intensely um it's like okay, I have to you know I have to just like keep everything you know, mm -hmm. everything, you know, and, and so on, and, and I can't like in, you know indulge in any way. And obviously we know that you know that's, that's not healthy either. But to just kind of indulge in everything, but but to like understand really what it is 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 it's about freedom. It's about having control over myself and not letting things in the world control me. Mm -hmm. right? wow. That's and, a very nice way of putting it. That's beautiful. Let, let me ask you both. Let me ask you both something. Like you're you're going public now with your story, um, you know. Um, you're even writing this book about thank you for being for being you. Why is it? 
what, why have you decided to come out with that? I mean, so many people are just like, oh, I don't want to talk about my private issues, my private life. Why did you feel the need to let people know about what, what your situation was, how you've healed from it, your trauma, your joy, your journey? What made you, what was the impetus that made you share this all? It's a few reasons. One is to smash the shame to to destroy the klipa of you know this this husk that's that's basically shame that that prevents you know people from really getting help um mm -hmm. that prevented me that that kind of made me very confused and and just to, to smash that that to know that this isn't you know it's like because we we understand i saw once a funny cartoon that was like if we dealt with mental health the way we deal with physical health and it's like if someone was sitting there with a broken bone, it's like, oh, come on, you're not even trying. Like, come on, just walk. Like, what's wrong with you? So it's like, so just first is smashing that. But then that, that idol, really. Because mm, um, wow. it really is. It's an idol. It's, mm. it's when I think I have an idea, I think this this is what should be happening. It's like, no, no, no. Hashem has other ideas. It's mm. like, so. So true. And then it's that it's really, there's a few other things. Then it's that, okay, I've gained um tremendous un, you know gained these understandings these these skills this context um this insight but the uh, the last part is really that it's not it's not mine wow it's not yours because it's god who's given it to you and you want to share the gift is that what you mean basically it's god who took me on this journey mm -hmm. and and so it's not like Oh, this is my own private thing. Oh, wow. this is just me, like you know, in my own little life in spot. And okay, I'm better now, and whatever. And I'm going, you know, and I'm happy. And it's kind of going on, but at that, but that I really, it it's not it's not my personal thing. It's something that's that's really it's bigger than you. Yeah. Right. Wow. Wow, this is incredible. Thank you both so much for joining us. Chana, would you have any last words for spouses of someone who are suffering from anxiety, depression, or any really any challenges that you would like to share? Yeah, I would like to share. Um, first of all, exactly, us being here is like you're not alone in that. When I look at Ariel as you are depressed, I'm creating a certain energy called you are depressed. And we've all experienced that when someone looks at us a certain way, they see us as clumsy, we can't help but knock over our water. Like it's a certain energy that really does affect us, certain environment. And so if I'm going to- It's a real thing. It's, yes. And that's something the, what's it, the book Positivity Advice was very powerful. I mean, the way mm -hmm. I look at it affects it. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. The way I look at something actually has an impact on that thing. Right. If I, if I if I'm able to peer past the external- covering that something comes to me in and i say no this is actually good this comes to you from hashem hashem is good therefore this must be good i don't know mm -hmm. how but it is on some level on a higher level that i'm able that we're able to actually like break through that that darkness hmm. so, so wow. the way i look at a person is very powerful and it's yes. not a simple thing and and it actually affects the how that person is right wow. yeah absolutely so exactly so ariel knows if i'm looking at him whether it's verbalized or not, as I could be saying the sweetest things of, 
you know, do you, do you need help, honey? Anything I can help you with? And my energy is you can't do this on your own. I don't trust you with your own psyche. I don't trust you with your healing and just hurry up and heal. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm so anxious about your anxiety. Just deal with it. And I could be saying the nicest things. I could be cooking the most lovely mental health, gut oriented dinners. It doesn't matter. The energy of how I'm going to look at my spouse is going to infect them. It's going to affect me. I'm realizing that the kavana, the intention of being able to look at a person is not man, not are lying on couch depressed, man lying on couch, man talking, man walking. Woman sitting, woman talking, get back to basics, go back to hakma, that kohma of like, let me just call it out as if someone was an alien and they didn't know what things were. Like they didn't know, it was just someone coming in even. They don't know the context. We're just two people here. And sometimes, you know, I forgot Ariel was supposed to be depressed and we ended up cracking up. <laughs> Some of our best moments have been because, oh, I forgot I'm supposed to treat you like someone who's having anxiety right now. Right. And I just kind of cared what was on my mind at that moment and you helped me. It just, it just being present to another person in that moment without my story, which is going to be hard because there's a lot of expectations, there's a lot of letdown, there's a lot of fear, and there's a lot of our own triggers. But for my own sanity, just going back to that place of woman sitting, that's all that's happening. I could be having a freaking out over this. Come on, this is pretty nerve wracking. Just like <laughs> woman sitting, man talking, right? It's just getting back to basics and then I can be present. And, you know, I dreamed of this moment of getting to share this journey. And the only way that it actually happened was me letting it go, hardcore. I wrote, thank you for being you, not, I mean, wrote it together, not knowing if I was ever gonna get to share it, but it was so valuable to me. I'm like, I wanna honor this journey. Wow. And being able, for me, you know, getting up on a stage and talking is fun. Honestly, it's fun. It's good. Like if I could capture a good moment, turn into a great story, Baruch Hashem, I'm in my happy place. Being in those quiet moments where no one's ever gonna know about this. And even if I turn into a story, no one's gonna get how profound this is. It's, it's completely changed the way I view life versus external versus internal. Meaning, I'll share an example of watching Ariel put tefillin on moments before sunset, probably our first year of marriage. And just realizing there's such power of what's happened. He wrestled with himself to fulfill his divine command, knowing what headspace he's in or not knowing, but hey, he's in something right now. And yet he's choosing to have this essence as this experience of this mitzvah admits this depression right now. I'm like, I can't put this on a stage. I can't even put this into words. I couldn't, I am, I'm trying. But knowing that even though no one will ever get how profound this is, I'm being given a gift of witnessing someone's journey right now. And mm -hmm. instead of it being something that has to be over, hurry up and heal, this is a privilege. This is such a privilege. And God is with me. Like, I don't need a stage because Hashem is with me in that moment. And we're enjoying how profound that is. So, like, let's get some popcorn because, like, this is this is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really, it's really just shifting that value of I am privileged to support this person in this. And also, this is for me. If this is showing up in my life, this is not just about theirs. If it bothers you, it's your stuff too, right? If it bothers me, if it triggers me, it's my stuff also, and therefore it's also my invitation to heal. Ariel's invitation to this healing journey was my invitation also. It just took me a little longer to, to take the invitation. Mm -hmm. But really re realizing that this is this could be our healing journey, and there could be so much beauty between two people when we're not when it's not through this lens of judgment and shame. And really, for me also, I had to drop the expectation to heal. I started with a new coach a while back. 
And I was telling her all the things I'm doing to encourage Ariel to heal. And she's like, well, is he doing them? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, so why do you keep telling him? I was like, <laughs> so keep it going. And she's like, like, why? And it was just like, for me, we get into this place of, I have this expectation called you better heal one day. Hmm. And having to let go of that was one of the hard things. Having to realize, who says there's an end date to this? Who said that this needs to end? I wouldn't question a good thing. Like, why am I questioning this? Hmm. Right? The clarity, I know it's beautiful. And being able to say, you know what? Me telling you about another thing you could do to boost your mental health when you're already trying so hard hmm. is actually criticism and it's actually an expectation and it's actually out of line mm. and being able to remove that expectation oh my gosh I feel like 10 years younger I mean that's I know it's funny to say but like <laughs> I was like wow like, I can live again because I don't need to have this you know there's this Gemara where it talks about Rabbi Akiva surviving a shipwreck Gemara Yavamos and it talks about how did he survive he grabbed a dustbin and he grabbed a piece of wood and every single time the waves came, he bowed his head and he rode the waves. Mm. It's not like, okay, we made it. We made it. We're three days post-depression. Okay, guys, everyone hold your stuff together. Okay. You know, I'll be on my best behavior. You be on your best behavior. Life, don't trigger me. You know, it's like, no, it's just being afraid of the next wave is worse than the next wave. Being afraid mm. of the next depression or anxiety is actually worse than experiencing it. Because when I get there, God will give Arl the strength and God will give me the strength. Wow. Hey, I'm in the dippy between the waves, and I'm going to enjoy now, and being able. And I think that's why we're ready to speak about this. Because mm -hmm. uh, this is the vanity. Yeah. This is, this is the vanity <laughs> Because if I think right, if I think I'm a tzaddik, then then it's like this shouldn't be happening to me. Because it's right. But it is. So I'm not a tzaddik, which is okay. But it's not. I mean, it's it is happening, right? And and that's the vanity is is. It comes, and I have those moments, but I don't let it control me. Yeah. I don't let it take over my mind. I don't let it come out of out in my mouth and you know, my speech or and what I and how I act. But it doesn't mean I don't have those moments. Mm. It happens, but I but I don't entertain it. I don't indulge in it. I don't let it take over my life. Right. Wow. You know, just listening to you both, it seems almost like the. The way you depict it, it feels almost like the darkness itself is something that's so beautiful, so illuminating. You know, that's how you're almost making me like jealous of the darkness, like enjoying <laughs> the darkness. But really, you're showing all of us how we can go through any challenge in life and take any challenge that we're confronting and see it in that same way. And that's a tremendous, beautiful lesson that you're and a gift that you're giving us all. So I, I want to thank you so much, both of you, for coming, for being here with us. And I am sure that we are going to be seeing more of you, both of you, because <laughs> you both are this, Hannah, you said you wanted to be this power couple. You are this power couple. You are this wow couple that are just doing tremendously teaching through, through, through who you are and through what you're going through. You're just an example of, of greatness. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for honoring this journey by allowing us to to share it. And of course, if people need, if people are looking for resources, you can find us in the bio. And thank you for everyone who listened to this for taking the opportunity to honor this journey by by listening. And thank yes. you for being so brave and sharing this and making this dream of mine come true. This is so. <laughs>
Thank you. And you can find more of Chana's articles on Chabad.org, on the Jewishwoman.org. You can also see the book. We're all looking forward to the book that will be coming out called Thank You for Being You, as well as Chana's last book, Splashing in the Puddles. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much.